I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. This is BIPOC Credits, a show that shines a light on the Black, Indigenous, and people of color who work in the booming BC film industry with high hopes of creating a more diverse Hollywood North behind and in front of the camera. Want to learn about the people behind your favorite movies and TV shows? Keep listening. Want to learn how to survive and thrive in the film industry? Keep listening. Want to convince your parent or guardian to let you be a part of the film industry? Keep listening. Welcome to BIPOC Credits. Here's your host, Andy Wong. Hello, thank you so much for joining us today on BIPOC Credits. I'm your host, Andy Wong, and today I have Hallmark extraordinaire, Nelson Wong. We are not related, I don't think. BC is the filming location for several feature films a year for the Hallmark Channel, spanning from the mystery series Martha's Vineyard Mysteries to Christmas romantic films like Christmas at the Plaza, or my personal favorite, The Extraordinary Blueprint to the Heart, because that's the one where we work together. So I'm a little bit biased in that sense. In this episode, Nelson shares his experience acting in these movies and building a career for himself over the last two decades. He speaks about the importance of allyship, mentorship, and how every role matters, even the small ones. Being one of the only Asian actors to have a Hallmark fan base because of the sheer amount of movies he's been in for this channel, it is my absolute pleasure to introduce Nelson Wong. I hope you enjoy my conversation with him. Nelson, I, uh, <laughs> uh, after like uh, knowing you for so long, we haven't really like talked about your experience in, in really acting or anything like that. You've just really been a mentor to me and, and, uh, and we've just been coworkers. That's it. My first question is, have you ever considered yourself as a Hallmark extraordinaire? <laughs> Has that ever been something that you dreamed of? It, no, it, it's, a, it's a dream come true, but it wasn't something that I ever anticipated. Although if I, if I look back, like growing up in the 80s, a lot of my favorite shows were uh, people who solved mysteries like Heart to Heart and Remington Steel and, and, and uh, MacGyver. So this whole um, family that solves mysteries thing, which Hallmark does really well, um, it, uh, with the Hallmark Movies and Mysteries uh, network, they have a, an entire network devoted to 
that genre of these family of coworkers or family of uh, people who work together or who relate together, who solve mysteries. I'm, I'm really thrilled to be part of Perfect Picture Mysteries and the Martha's Vineyard Mysteries with Jesse Metcalf and Sarah Lynn. Uh, so now I'm part of the family that that solves mysteries, which is really exciting. But yeah, all, all the uh, seasonal stuff too is fantastic. Yeah, and there's a bit of a misconception that like Hallmark movies are all like rom coms, like that take place in Christmas and whatnot. That's not true at all. <laughs> I mean, they do their seasonal stuff because it does come from the greeting card company, and that's the brand, right? They they uh, go with human celebrations and uh, the the things that we observe, the sort of checkpoints. Uh, in our lives. And oftentimes there's uh, room for drama and plot and life-changing decisions on those, on those occasions. So those are really exciting places to, to visit story. But they do have, um, I think they're coming up on three networks. There's Hallmark Channel, which is the festival, uh, the sort of festive rom-com and the series, uh, Hallmark Movies and Mysteries, which is where we get a little bit more conflict and suspense and the, the families that solve crimes. They have the streaming platform. I think there might be another network that I'm not thinking of, but I'm in Canada. So I don't really get to as much as I work <laughs> yeah, exactly. uh, for the network and love the, the stuff that we make. Yeah, we make so many of these things, but we never even get a watch them. <laughs> yeah, I have to wait until it's distributed up here yeah. through the W network in Canada or uh, Super Channel Home and Heart and Home or CTV Drama. Yeah. yeah does Hallmark ever... Um, does the network ever talk to you uh, personally um, as an actor? And, and what's that relationship like between network and actor? Um, well, the way that I started with uh, Hallmark was through a friend, uh, through mentorship of my own, uh, Ron Oliver, who's a, a fantastic writer, director. and We became fast friends uh, years and years and years ago and uh, actually starting on a mystery wheel. He was working on... Um, a gay detective mystery called the Donald Strachey mystery starring Chad Allen on the Here TV network. And he cast me as Kenny Kwan, the budding sidekick detective who wanted to learn how to go undercover and, and uh, do detecting. And it turns out that after that series, uh, unfortunately we only did four episodes of that, but as he continued to work, he would always try and find the Kenny Kwan part. Right. So it was, it's almost as if that character is still undercover mm -hmm. <laughs> in all these different different stories, but um, he he started having a partnership with the executives at Hallmark, uh -huh. and uh, I was uh, folded in as the the Kenny Kwan role, which was usually like some sort of plot device, like the like the clerk or something, uh, some opposition that the um, the protagonist meets or 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 a help to the protagonist, and then then sometimes some really fun character roles, and finally, or not finally, but it grew so much that the um, the audience started getting a response uh, from Kenny Kwan, either getting really upset that he foiled the protagonist or, or, or uh, sort of uh, seeing him as the audience access point. And the executives started asking Ron, well, so which one's the Kenny Kwan part? We give me the script, which one's the Kenny Kwan part? I wonder which one the Kenny Kwan part is. You've created a, a Nelson Hallmark universe, essentially. <laughs> well, it's it, the, the fans, there's these podcasters, Deck the Hallmark were the first podcasters who, um, who who gave it a name it's the kennyverse oh no way the kennyverse they actually gave it a name so suddenly there's a kennyverse it became a thing and now the audience really responds i uh the hall podcast uh um 
recognized Kenny Kwan in 2020 as best supporting actor. The fans have really clamored around him. So it's been a great, great ride. But yeah, the um, the response has been fantastic. There's a Kenny verse now and it lives beyond me. Have you seen a t-shirt with Kenny? No, not yet. Not yet. That'll be exciting. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that's something that we need. We need to start up on this channel here. <laughs> Get your Kenny Kwan merch here at BIPOC Podcast. <laughs> Get your Kenny Kwan shirt, guys. I'm for it. I'm for it. We'll work something out, I'm sure. <laughs> um, have you and Ron ever talked about uh, why he was so supportive of your career first, uh, like just coming up? We became friends. He was, uh, the, it's, it's that old Human League song. I was working as a waiter in a cocktail bar and a mutual friend introduced us. And the first six months of our friendship, we would just talk about film, talk about how much we loved movies, sharing sort of our uh, common touchstones, film noir, a love for uh, Jack Lemmon and, and Alfred Hitchcock and uh, 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 Billy Wilder and all these wonderful movies. And we would just nerd out watching movies. I actually didn't tell him I was an actor to start off with because I didn't want to be that guy who was like, um, uh, oh, by the way, I'm an actor, but I couldn't hang out one time. And uh, he's like, why? I have a show. He's like, what do you mean a show? He saw me with uh, my Asian Canadian sketch comedy group. Assaulted Fish uh, do a, a show locally, a live live sketch comedy show, and it was from then on that he started uh, writing me into into the movies. And I think it's um, we have a lot of uh, we speak a common language. Uh, he can direct me really easily on set because he'll just like there was one time on Recipe for Love, which was a Hallmark uh, movie where I played director, and I was supposed to get quite upset. And he's like, a little less mammoth, a little more Jack Lemon. <laughs> And I was like, got it. And it just right. Clicked. So it's that sort of creative shorthand uh, that you get from from working with each other and being friends right. as well as uh, working together. But he's able to mentor me. Uh, he's we're, he's able to tell have the difficult conversations with me. Like this is why we couldn't use your close up. So it's the it's the best film school uh, indeed that I've ever had. And um, yeah, I mean we we laugh at the same jokes. We have the same sense of humor. Uh, so I think a lot a lot of it is uh, having a common taste. And a common point of view. Yeah. Not common. That sounds like a really important. Well, Shared. Yeah. But that sounds like a really important um, uh, relationship because this is this is going back like, you know, 10 or 15 years ago, would, I, would you say? Is yeah. It, yeah. It, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, sure. And, and if you want to. Human time. Yeah, in human time. <laughs> Not film time. That's right, because that's timeless. That's timeless. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but but back then, like there there really weren't that many roles for for Asian Canadian actors, um, at, at least because I I started out back then and I was really struggling finding um, roles. Did, were you having the same experience other than working on? Absolutely. When I first when I first started out, which is about over twenty years ago, uh, every agent that I met said, "Can you do the accent? Do you know kung fu?" Yeah, that was top of mind for them. Because otherwise they couldn't find a place for me. And I was like, you have the actors who can do that really, really well. I wanted to be the other one. I was yeah. inspired by Jack Lemmon and John Ritter and Kevin Bacon. And I was like, like, like Kevin Bacon, I want to be able to play your best friend or your worst enemy. Right. Yeah. Uh, he was, he's so great. And he said, she said, which is a sort of a rom-com in the style of Hallmark movies. And then um, it's not, it's not reverse engineer that, you know what I mean? Uh, but he said, she said, or like the river wild where he's like, just uh, an awful, awful person. Uh, so uh, I wanted to run the gamut that way. But yeah, initially it was, uh, do you know the accent? Do you know Kung Fu? 
Uh, Ron Oliver, he, he'll talk about this um, as well, that he grew up in a very multicultural world. And, and as he's traveled, he's met different people that have touched his life. And he always wanted to represent that in his movies. And so he, he too uh, had to swim upstream, but as a creator, he had more say. There's a lot of people who knock uh, the network uh, for uh, not having a lot, a lot of diversity, but it wasn't so in Ron's movies. He put forth um, his vision of the world and um, I benefited from it because I was actually able to live in those worlds, but so have so many of my uh, other acting friends, like uh, me and Karen Holness have done about seven movies together with Ron. Um, Zaf Peru uh, was in uh, Wedding Planner Mysteries playing in an interracial marriage a lot of people uh, for a while, they're not Tom Mark for not having interracial couples. And it was like, wait a minute, we we do in Ron's movies. Yeah, like they do exist. And, and even though like, you know, we're not trying to um, say there's not enough diversity or any or there's there's too much diversity or anything there. We definitely need more. But at the same time, like it's unfair to to criticize something that's false in the sense that there it has existed. It's just. Um, not enough of it, but but the fact that it has existed is is needs to be kind of shown and pointed out. I think Ron proves the case that if you have a vision, people will meet you. Yeah. But he has the vision, and he's able to articulate it through his shots, through his casting, through his uh, storytelling in a way that uh, stirs emotions, as movies, you know, are meant to do, and to touch you, and to to make you recognize uh, human characters. And I think. Uh, all the executives at Hallmark responded to that. That's why Ron's such a prolific director with them. Um, but they, it wasn't a stumbling block for them to have those those characters ever. So I've benefited from that, definitely. Yeah, for sure. I guess the question I have for that then is, was there ever an instance where um, Ron wanted to have you on board, but the networks were like, no, we we don't want to go that direction or anything like that. Like, have you heard, has Ron ever told you anything like that where he wanted to get you on board and then like days later, he's like, no, I, I can't do it, sorry. No, he's, he's quite savvy with um, storytelling and character building. Um, and he's got a really good sense of me. He, I think he knows my instrument better than I know myself. You know, as an actor, you think you can play uh, everybody. You want to play everybody in anything. Uh, but he was uh, able to go, you know, we, we want to, uh, uh, we liked your warmth and your sense of humor. So he always found a, 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 there was always a sweet spot in terms of casting. Very, I mean, they say uh, half of directing is casting, right? Knowing, knowing uh, uh, where the players fit in, in the larger piece of the puzzle. So if there have been those discussions, they haven't occurred with me in the room. Um, but generally speaking, the only difficulty would have been um, geography. Right. Uh, just sort of pure business. Like, do I have the um, papers uh, to work in a certain place? And so I, I, like, I don't have the papers to work in various territories. Yeah, like uh, tax credits and whatnot. So um, as he's moved into, into different territories, he like he can... Uh, be hired in uh, different places, but the cast sometimes is locked to to different ge- geographical territories. Yeah, yeah, and and that's just how the film industry goes because like it's so based on budget, and and so much of their budget is based off of the tax credits that are available to different uh, provinces and whatnot. And in order to get those tax credits, you need to be of that. Uh, the the labor needs to be from that area. Yeah, everyone below the line. Right. You've got your number one, your number two, your director, your uh, perhaps your cinematographer. But then 
the rest of us are um, are are are, uh, are beholden to uh, things like geography and tax credits, um, the exchange right. rate, and and things like that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Would you say then most of your projects have been based out of uh, BC, or have you have you worked outside of BC? Most of my projects, the majority of my projects, have been in in BC uh, and the the BC film industry. Though I've been able to travel to um, Calgary for a couple of jobs, uh, Ontario for a right. couple of jobs. So so that's been that's been fun and that's exciting. Uh, I love seeing the other parts of Canada and getting connected with uh, talent in person. Uh, through right. my my teaching, I get to visit some of the talent online through Zoom. But it's nice to collaborate in person and and to and to create something together. Speaking about your teaching, um, what uh, what drew you into teaching, and uh, is that something that you'll forever be passionate about? Is that something that you want to keep striving to do, or are you still aiming for like actor only kind of? kind of dream I think it's surprised me I um I had uh a long time ago I, I studied with uh, uh Benjamin Ratner who's a, is an amazing actor he was someone I looked up to uh before I'd even started acting uh, I was watching uh I think an episode of The Collector where he played uh, a comedian named Steve Green and I just believed he was Steve Green so I was like I wrote down in my journal like look like remember steve green if he's ever on tour you should go see him <laughs> but it was a fictional character that he wasn't even ben ratner he was steve yeah green. i was a mark for steve green but he totally hooked me and then as i got into the uh film and television community here a lot of the people that i looked up to had told me they studied with benjamin ratner but no one would give me uh a contact information because <laughs> okay. it was like it was one of those like you need to know it's like fight club yeah. Right. You need to know. And then you that's how you get in. So I ended up cornering him at an audition one time. And I was like, you're you're Ben Ratner. I didn't say Steve Green. But you're Ben Ratner. <laughs> um, he's like, yes. And I'm like, um, I've heard about your classes. I'd be really interested uh, in signing up. And so he gave me his uh, assistance contact information. And then it was still a process. It was like six months to get in. Had to email uh, every every month just to see if there was a spot because uh, spots were very rare. And then once I was in, um, that was around 2007. Uh, I didn't let go of my spot until like 2013. And right. and through uh, studying uh, scene study in in Ben's class, I was like, this is great. This is like a community of actors, everyone working. Uh, the notes that Ben was giving, I remember uh, trying to forecast what his notes would be as I was watching other uh, actors. Like, okay, that's what I would say, and he would say something completely surprising and and completely cohesive and I'm like wow that was that was amazing and I remember thinking at that time what a great um day job right because he's an actor but he's also fu uh, funding his real life by feeding other actors and by by uh, surrounding himself uh with the craft with learning about story, different characters, observing different human beings and, and, and practicing the craft with them. What a great way to do it. So I it sort of planted a seed a long time ago that, that that would be a great job. And I wasn't sure how the opportunity would come. And I tried a few times. I, um, I was in an improv troupe and we would always do improv workshops and we'd take turns leading the workshops, which was an amazing uh, way to learn how to uh, facilitate uh, uh, time management, working with different people, communicating, uh, and of course, communicating about the, the craft of improv. 
which was wonderful, wonderful proving ground. And then I got um, into teaching at a institution that taught kids and teens. Okay. Yeah. And while, while I, and I, I don't know, maybe I'm sharing too much, but while I, I love the work of child actors, I have a hard time with um, the, the, the machine that produces child actors. God bless the people who can do it. Uh, for <laughs> me, it was a juggle because it wasn't just the craft. It was like uh, babysitting sometimes because like, right. like you're dealing with uh, children who may or may not be motivated to do it. At least with adult actors, they came into it with that dedication. So, And they're paying their own money to do it. That's Yeah, yeah. I, I didn't last very long. Yeah. Uh, yeah, just a couple of years. At what point did you transition uh, into training uh, uh, adult actors then? It came through my mentor, Benjamin Ratner. Um, he, uh, I was doing more classes with him and he was getting me to give more and more feedback through the class. Um, and then he approached me and said he'd like me to start uh, running uh, um, my own classes uh, under the, the Haven Studio umbrella, which is his, his, um, his company. And he, he helped foster me. He, he gave me sort of a lesson plan, uh, told me the sort of the, 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 um, the rewards and, and also the challenges. He, wasn't, he was very um, clear about uh, what some of the challenges might be in terms of energy level and focus and how you got to take care of yourself, right. but also the rewards in terms of um, being able to share in a community, be able to belong, be able to share values that myself at that point had been invested in for about 17 to 20 years. So it, it's, and then I, then I, suddenly I found my flow. It was a challenge and there are still uh, challenges about it, but it, the rewards really outweigh the, the challenges. And yes, uh, to answer your question, I think uh, teaching something that I'm, I'm, I'm definitely uh, much more invested in, I could see myself doing in the long run. I wish that I had started a lot long, a long time ago before, because sometimes you, you learn so much more by teaching you start translating things for different people. And, and, it, and as a teacher, you're just observing so much humanity that you can't help but be inspired uh, by those characters that you're meeting and their stakes and how they find uh, their way into scenes. So many of the teachers that have taught me acting have, have said that like teaching is their, their schooling per se. Like by teaching, they've learned so much about their own craft that, that, really that's why they keep doing it. It's not even for the money or anything like that. Is that kind of your perspective on that too? Teaching helps me to su su like to have um, a steady flow of income, not, but it's not to get rich <laughs> at all. And it's not to like, uh, um, yeah, to get, uh, um, to, like it's not an inflated sense of the, uh, um, like recognition or reward or anything like that. But um you know, you, you do it uh, and, and then you have your, your, your acting jobs that hopefully come. Um, but the, it's, it's fast becoming like uh, such a wonderful outlet. But I will say, after having been such a lonely actor for so many years, taking class, you know, you take classes in a group, but you go from class to class to class. So it can feel very lonely. And you go to an audition by yourself and you, you feel like you're almost competing against the other actors or you're, right. you're, it's, it's you versus them, or it's uh, you and the reader. And then you go home alone, right? You take these classes. Uh, acting can feel like a very lonely uh, profession. So teaching's a marvelous way to get connected and to put the focus off of you and onto someone else. And 
to, to really then check in with how much experience and how much of the values you understand that you can communicate. And it does become a nice um, sense of belonging and a sense of community and a sense of connection. And through COVID, it's been a lifesaver. Yeah, for sure. I bet. Can you talk a bit about the uh, the loneliness uh, of an actor? Because because uh, I definitely had that experience. I, I I definitely felt very lonely as an actor when I was working there. Because because really, like you are um, you are working alone um, on your auditions and 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 everything. Is there anything that you would recommend that has worked for you other than teaching? that has uh, 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 mitigated that sense of loneliness, that has like helped with just growing as an actor and, and feeling like there's more of a community. And what, what would you recommend other actors do in that sense? Well, class, 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 class. I can't stress enough class is, is so important. It's important to, be, to stay sharp, but that's how you also build a community. You find your friends, you find people that you're rooting for. When they're succeeding, it gives you a sense of success. Uh, when we're we're not working, we can rub each other's backs and sharpen each other, uh, sharpen each other's face in the in the face of uh, all the obstacles. So that sense of community, that sense of work, uh, that's what's going to build your confidence, but also uh, give you a sense of having created something. There's a track record of the scenes we've studied, the characters we've created, the moments uh, we created that we can look back on. So. Um, Definitely school, definitely like staying sharp. Uh, the best don't stop studying, right? right. Um, but yeah, absolutely other, other resources too. Like when I said that sometimes you go to the casting room and you see people are your competition, they're not, they're not. Uh, there's only one person who gets the job and it's not because uh, they won. It's because that was the best choice given uh, the entire program. Every, um, every script, every production, every team has its own culture and needs its own mix. So you, you, uh, uh, you can't book everything that you've auditioned for. Those people in the audition room, oddly enough, that you think are competition, are the people who understand the struggle that you understand the most. How do you mean by that? Well, they are going out for the same characters you are, typically, right? They're, they're, they're right. In, this, in a very similar, posi uh, positioned in a similar way as you are in casting. And they understand the characters and the situations that you're you're put into. I, um, my friend Min Lee, the Toronto actor who I love dearly, was probably uh, the first one who caught me on to that the people in the audition room could be your best friends. Min was uh, one of those actors who was just like, "Do you want to hang out?" Like after an audition, and then we never stopped. You know, we've been friends for over a decade. And uh, we, sh we share so much in common. We, we lick our wounds together. We celebrate when it's time to celebrate. And he really led that um, uh, idea that I could have a, such a precious friend if I just opened my eyes to it in the audition room. And so as I um, uh, further along into auditioning and I'd see the same faces, actually, this is the thing, I, I'd stop seeing the same faces. It used to be I was the, the yellow crayon, right? You'd see all these <laughs> other Asian dudes and it was like a race thing, right? Yeah. Some sort of external yeah. reason why we were all lumped together. But then after a while, you get a, a sense of the characters you can play. And suddenly the audition rooms became much more diverse. And do you think that's a, a matter of, of just the times that you were auditioning in? Like, 
you know how our our after, throughout the years um uh, the film industry has just become more diverse do you think it's because of that or is it just because um of the more experience you get the more like the more bigger and uh, diverse roles that you end up getting because because of your experience and not so much because of how the industry is changing i don't think the industry changing invited me to those rooms so much the the character actor roles that that was sort of proof of work i think the casting director sort of understood um from the different auditions that were where he came in oh he's got an affinity for comedy okay he's got an affinity for uh uh low status characters high status characters uh flamboyant characters uh nerdy characters um uh best friends uh assholes what whatnot uh and so um the the people i started sharing the audition room with uh, were people that i looked up to a lot like then i'd see chris goche in an audition room or rogi you or graham duffy and even ben ratner i'd be like what wait he's where this is this is this is strange and wonderful <laughs> that's kind of surreal yeah. i gotta admit yeah but then uh, and, and noel <laughs> johansson who's a, a wonderful teacher and actor as well and really uh, men really took the lead but like i started making connections with those people in the audition room and th those have bled into real life they became people that i would i, I text uh, or i go on facebook and or or for um if i just finished the audition and they're going in, i'm like hey you want to read do you want to like run it and i'm like thank you and it doesn't matter that we're reading for the same thing because we're not the same person everybody acts differently because everybody's a different person i stress that a lot in my classes it's like you can't compare are you, uh, do you have the values? Are you putting forth the technique? Are you, um, are you making it its fullest? Do you have an understanding, give a reason to do this? These things are all very deeply personal with people's personal associations. So for uh, after I'm done an audition and, and I see one of my friends, I'm like, hey, do you wanna run it? And it's not about um, stealing ideas or, cause it's, cause it's so, cause he, are we, 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 we understand we're so different that it, they can't compare and I'm going to do what I'm going to do. They're going to see what they're going to see. And it's, it's wonderful. It's marvelous having a, a network of actors. So having a network is super important, I'd say, and therapy and therapy. <laughs> yeah. 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 I think every actor should be in therapy. Yeah. Every human should be in therapy. Absolutely. We all have our own baggage, but to understand how to play your emotional instrument and how to weather the, the uncertainty that comes with this career uh, and to have a coach who's, uh, making you um, accountable for your needs, your physical needs, your emotional needs, um, your psychological needs, uh, and to continue having a passion for acting. It's a juggle. It's not an easy life. Your therapist does all that for you? I mean, yeah, I've got a very good one. <laughs> yeah, it could, it, takes some, it could take some search. It can take some search, just like it's uh, uh, hard to collect your team or your tribe or your team, uh, you know, having the right mix of friends, co-creators, management, um, uh, coaches. It, yeah, it, 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 uh, the teachers, it, it can really, uh, uh, it, it can be a search, but um, when, you, when you find your team, when you find your tribe, uh, you're just so much stronger. For sure. And, and it does take work to actually find your tribe like that. That's, that's a process. And, and can you, I, can you talk a bit about that process? It's strange. It's, uh, it's almost like disowned parts of your identity, but as soon as you, 
um, connect with them, there's people on the other side of that. I, when I grew up, I was uh, an immigrant who moved here and just wanted to fit in. So I really um, I had a uh, distaste for the, the accent, the Kung Fu, the uh, Chinese lessons. Um, also, I was struggling with my uh, sexuality and, and being queer and not being able to like um, share that with other people. And even though I wanted to, to be an actor and I wonder if that motivated me in wanting to just you know, be different people and to see what that was like. Um, however, as, as I matured, and went through the process of reclaiming my race, my, my sexuality right. and parts of my identity, I would find that there, were, there, was, there was a community on the other side of that. For example, uh, as I started getting more, more comfortable with my Asian Canadian identity, I got involved with Vancouver Asian Canadian Theater. And they became a tribe, they became artists who had a similar edict, similar language, similar challenges and, and a voice for uh, what they wanted to do in terms of representing and in terms of telling stories and in terms of uh, uh, giving a stage to, to different talent. And so I benefited from that greatly. And that's where I met my Asian Canadian uh, uh, sketch comedy group, Assaulted Fish, uh, with Kwan Fu, Marlene Dong, and Diana Bang. And it, that was uh, an amazing run of creativity, checking in with each other and, and, and wonderful friendships that have lasted. And the same thing with coming out of the closet, um, being... Uh, more comfortable with my sexuality and the way that I fall in love and the people that I would meet uh, brought me to working uh, at a bar, a celebrity's nightclub and meeting Ron Oliver and us sharing. Uh, That's our where you met there. him. That's where I met him. I, I, oh it is that God. human league song. I was working as a waiter in a cocktail bar. Right. right. Uh, my day job was a waiter and that's how I met him he, as, as he had come in. Um, and so I would say like not, denying your identity but getting more and more comfortable with who you are there's a community community on the other side of uh those uh those disowned parts as my counselor would say disowned parts disowned parts yeah never considered it that way but yeah that's a that's a very fair point it's kind of something something really beautiful in that in that sentiment there's a community in these like separated groups of uh of people but that's always what always what drew, drew me to film and theater in the first place was the idea of shining a light in the shadow. Yeah. Right. Uh, John Patrick Shanley says theater is the safe place to do the unsafe things that need to be done. And going into a movie house in the dark and watching people reveal sometimes uh, their disowned parts, whether it be anger or aggression or love and romance. Sometimes that's something people disown because it doesn't feel safe. Right. But to, to watch it happen in front of your eyes, is such a beautiful thing. So, yeah. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. 
So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Do you uh, feel like the the projects that you've done so far in film and theater um, have represented the type of uh, stories that you want to tell, like that that have shown the shadow, that have shown light in the in the shadow parts? Yeah, I'm very lucky. I'm very lucky to have a, an amazing uh, career. Uh, I I early 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 on, I said I'm not going to say no to anything. Right. So I, when I went when I went out for independent uh, films and videos, videos back then when it was actual videotape, um, I'd answer ads in the back of the newspaper that needed acting. I guess sort of like the uh, equivalent of Craigslist. Be careful out there, kids. <laughs> always tell someone where you're going and always meet public. Yeah, always meet somewhere in public. Um, <laughs> but um and, and and the community with which uh, I, I worked uh, helped generate some of those stories. The, the sketch comedy group I was with generated stories that we wanted to tell. The improv group I was with, we created characters. We were creating on stage the stories we wanted to tell. I partnered with the wonderful writer, C.E. Kachalian, a uh, playwright who wrote uh, some beautiful, beautiful pieces about um, identity and sexuality and race and um generational politics uh falling in time was our our um our, our final thing together but there were several plays before that so i really got to uh do all the identity stuff through the 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 world of collaboration and independent work now that i work in hallmark right um has that changed i would say no um i i got to do a lot of the um uh the material that drew me in my 20s and 30s when it was all about the dark and the light and the, you know the the, <laughs> yeah. um, the 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 overarching um uh things of uh, uh, labels and disowned parts etc but i'd say like no matter the size of the role my job as an actor doesn't change my job is to justify i'm given the text and i need to justify everything in the text and flesh it out so that it's a full a human being, including their uh, light and their dark, their secrets and their um, their motivations um, and their history. So no matter the size of the part, the, the, the exercise remains the same. And I always find my way in. That's how you justify. That's how you find your way, uh, the reason why you're doing that part. 
a lot of that came from um, Ben's advocacy in his acting class where he'd be like, so, so you're doing uh, Glengarry Glen Ross. Why are you doing Glengarry Glen Ross? What, is, what do you have to offer this role? What do you have to offer Moss that nobody else has to, to offer? So when I uh, approach even a Hallmark uh, show, uh, uh, whether it be I'm just the clerk or uh, if I'm lucky enough to have a bigger character, I still have to think, what, uh, what do I want to say through this piece? What, uh, and how do I flesh this out? How do I justify this? So there's a reason why I'm playing uh, clerk number one. Uh, so yeah, I still, I still find my way in. Uh, when you, so the stories I'm telling, I, I find my way into telling the stories that I'm telling through uh, each opportunity that I get. Can you talk a bit about how you end up justifying your characters in, in these one-liners, for example? Like, if you do end up getting these, like, you know, really small roles and and whatnot, how do you stay positive and and justify yourself um, doing these characters and still feel passionate about it? Because I know there's a lot of actors who are really sick of these, like, you know, short one they call they call roles and and so it'd be great to get your perspective on just like how you see those i've got to meet those actors andy because i don't know any actor who's upset at jobs if they're working. <laughs> it's probably the ones that are auditioning for them that are maybe not finding their way but the people who book them are thrilled to have a one-line job <laughs> um, I, I think but I, I do think the mentality is more like you know you you do you do these like one one line roles and and they they just seem like not challenging for certain people? I think that's sad. I think that's sad, but I also, I mean, I don't want to blame the artist. Um, look, nobody owes you a job at all. Uh, so it's an honor to be able to walk the stage and be able to do um, what we do and to collaborate with the people that we get to collaborate with and to network. Um, I, I, if someone's stuck in one linesville, I, I have to, to question how much they're contributing um and how much they're bringing things to life uh and how much uh they're working with people and being uh, as ben ratner would say the aspirin not the headache um because we want to work with people right like just like ben stiller and um um uh, and uh adam sandler and, and and other directors who who continue working with the same company of actors um we want to work with people who we want to work with right and so if someone's bringing uh, stuff to the table that's inventive and, and, and human and they, they have a presence, um, then they're going to grow out of one lines bill. Um, so that's something to consider for, for anyone who's complaining about that. Also, it's not our job to give, it's not the industry's job to owe you a job and to owe you your art. You have to, if you're an artist, you're creating. If you're, uh, whether you're paying to create, investing to create, or getting paid to create, you have something that you want to show the world. You have something you want to reveal. You have uh, creative works that you want to do. Don't let the industry stop you. And if, if you're frustrated because all you're getting are one-line auditions, it's probably because your artistry is a little stale. You're not getting um, your artistry out in a class. You're not getting your artistry out um, uh, getting together with people and creating um, a play or creating a script or creating a video or creating a movie. Um, so, yeah. Uh, I'm going to challenge uh, that sentiment a little bit, if I may, and question whether, whether or not 
the um, if if these people are stuck in one line still. <laughs> now we've created one lines, Bill. There's so many t-shirt opportunities here, I swear. <laughs> For those... Sorry, I interrupted you. Go ahead, say it again. Oh, it's so great. I love it. Um, for those people who are stuck in one one linesville, though, um, perhaps the um, uh, the reasoning could be also like that's what Hollywood has to offer at that time. For example, like in in 2018 during the writer strike, there really wasn't that many that many um, uh, roles in general. And so, was it 2018 the writer strike? I feel like I'm wrong on that year, but um. I think I've locked it out of my mind because it was such a horrible time. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, it could just be a, the, the nature of, of, of the industry. Uh, so it's not necessarily because um, that these actors aren't uh, creating their own, their own opportunities or anything like that. Or, or uh, yeah. What, what's your thoughts on that? Like that, 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 that is still a possibility, right? Or, in your opinion, is is casting directors going to bump uh, an actor up who uh, is just a really competent actor, just someone that they believe in? Proof of work is the answer. Casting directors are seen as these gatekeepers, uh, like they owe people jobs and opportunities, but they are um, looking out for uh, the interests of the production and also their own interests in terms of getting other work. They're auditioning. Every job they have, they're also auditioning. And so they want to bring people that they trust. So sometimes that takes a while. Sometimes it takes a, uh, two, three, four years of someone auditioning for a, a cast director for the, the trust level to go up. It's, it's really about trust. And um, proof of work is the best way to have that discussion with casting. And now someone might ask, well, how do I show them proof of work if they're only uh, submitting me for one-line roles, if I'm only being brought in for one-line roles? So it, um, pre-COVID, it would be your reviews from doing a play, whether it be Fringe, right? Or it would be um, a video that you had posted uh, online that got a bunch of comments or likes. Um, I've, I've definitely, I mean, that's a lot of reason why I did theater would be getting reviews and sending those reviews to cast and going, Hey, look, this is something that I did. And it lets them know now you're having a discussion with them, right? They're, they may not be answering back in terms of, um, feedback, but they might be answering back in terms of telling your agent, yeah, bring them in for this, but you're, you're giving them proof of work. I need to, uh, uh if casting had a voice, I'm sure they would say, I need to trust you. What do you have? beyond your headshot and resume, which is great. Good headshots, fantastic. Resume is fantastic. What do you have beyond that to let me trust you? If, if the base level of everybody submitting is a headshot and resume, what else have you got? And that speaks to footage, uh, a demo reel or video clips or reviews, some noise that you're creating because of the art that you're uh, actively seeking out and expressing uh, rather than just waiting. And, and, and uh, anyone who's stuck in one lines bill identifies with the one lines bill, right? Other folks are just getting to work. Other folks are like, I'm, I, I'm, I'm getting one line auditions, but I'm killing it in scene study class. Or I'm getting one line auditions, but here's uh, the, the, the past seven tapes that I did uh, in audition class or uh, in hopefully healthier times, we'll be able to band together and do some plays 
make some movies together uh, as it was before. So what you're saying is one linesville doesn't actually exist. Exactly. Exactly. It's it's a psychological construct. <laughs> That's the t-shirt we're making. <laughs> one linesville is a psychological construct. Yeah. A prison made of disowned parts. There we go. We're just getting dirty. <laughs> Psychological, uh, and, uh, and uh, we uh, we we have a bit of research here. Two thousand seven to two thousand and eight is the Writers Guild uh, Guild of America strike. Just so, just so we're caught up on that. Thank you. Thanks for that. Thanks for yeah. that. Uh, have you ever directed your own uh, films and and whatnot in order to show casting? Have Have you ever done that side of things? Um, no. Um, it's um. It's something I'm very much interested in in doing. I think I'd love to uh, start uh, on stage and direct plays. I directed uh, a few of the sketches for Salted Fish, um, some works with my improv group, and directed some videos um, for the, the 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 school that I had worked with before Haven Studios, uh, and, and enjoyed it. Um, but no, no. Uh, to answer your question, that hasn't come up yet. Uh, I have a great mentor in Ron Oliver. Uh, showing me the process and, and there's a there's a, a vast array of reference books that I'm digesting at the moment um so it's in the works that's what you're saying yeah I'd say it's in the works I don't know if it would be specifically focused to show casting um was there a sort of intent under that because I I mean in terms of to show casting I do actively um get into the conversation with casting about how I want to be seen and how uh what work i want to keep doing so my online profiles if you're uh canadian and maybe in america as well there's uh, well breakdown services is an american company uh we share that with them up here and there's talent express and actors access which are all under the same umbrella as the breakdown services team well the actors access is the where you put your profile so that casting can see uh, your headshot, your resume, as Corinne Clark, who's this wonderful uh, supportive casting director leader in our community, she calls them support materials, your support materials. And so I, I, um, I get in the conversation about how my career or how, what kind of work I, uh, I think I'm good at and what I want to do by posting clips of me doing that work, whether it be with a blue screen in class or it's stuff that's been produced. I upload that to Actors Access uh, to get in that conversation with casting, and I've reaped the rewards. Uh, they uh, they they have been offering me uh, the the parts that um, uh, are, are similar to the conversation that we're having, and then some, because then they also, as artists, uh, see potential um, beyond those materials. But that's a nice conversation to have. The uh, as a television and film actor, uh, they're in your corner. They want you to be a resource for them. So continue to be a resource for them and, and show them those support materials. And by having a conversation with them, do you just mean that this conversation is, is uh, through you putting these videos and then them looking at it? Or are you actually having face-to-face -face conversation, conversations with casting directors about, about that path that you, you are looking for? When we meet in the audition room, it's mostly for the work at hand. So I, I wouldn't say that I'm actively having conversations to them about my career. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I, do, I do work with them in terms of uh, uh, advocate 
advocating, as we're both co-creating a, a scene or co-creating a character, um, I'll use the language that makes sense to me and hopefully makes sense to them. So within that conversation, hopefully I'm coming across as a collaborator and someone that they under that seems to understand their language and can negotiate in the audition room. So in that way, I'm advocating for uh, a working relationship. So I'm very careful about the, the contact that I have. Uh, again, as Ben Ratner said, being the aspirin, not the headache. So does it, are we speaking the same language? Are we collaborating? But yes, mostly it's, it's with the support materials to go, okay, um, uh, here, are my, here are my jobs in a suit. Here are my jobs, you know, like the, 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 um, for, for, for the first part of my, um, the, for, the, for the very, for one of the first rounds of, of my um, campaign, if you will, uh, on Actors Access and Casting Workbook, uh, casting workbooks also an amazing platform and that's the other other platform other than breakdown services that we use up here um for actors access and casting workbook for the first round i would uh focus on what jobs because oftentimes we're the um uh service industry for the american uh tv and film industries bc yeah so it'd be like okay well uh paramedic lawyer doctor make sure i had those roles uh posted so that they had proof of work Okay, he can handle medical jargon. Okay, that's what he looks like in a suit. Okay, he's playing a high status character. Okay, that's Dr. Good News. Oh, look, he's got Dr. Bad News. <laughs> you know, like, uh, yeah. he'll be fine. We did everything we could, you know, Dr. Yeah. Good News and Dr. Bad News. Um, just to, uh, to, to make sure that they knew that they, they had a resource uh, uh, with this talent. Yeah, uh, I never realized that they actually look at these. So this is excellent <laughs> info for me. They're busy. They're very busy. But I have noticed uh, rewards for having had uh, those support materials. And, and as Corinne Clark has said in some of her workshops, um, she will sometimes cast based off of a clip. She'll be able to, to ca campaign for you on behalf of a producer and go, look, there's them playing the paramedic. What do you think? Yeah, bring them in. And so they will actually uh, offer, offer a role based on uh, what's on the platform. So demos are actually very, very important. Clips more so than demos even because i would say um right uh once it's clipped out they can just press play uh just like corinne had had illustrated in that moment rather than going uh is it second 15 is it at second 47 where is that where is that role no 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 forget it right but if it's if it's clipped out and they just press could just press play again uh you want to be a trusted resource but you also want to make it as easy for them as possible because uh, they're very busy, very busy professional people. Yeah. Um, have you ever experienced, was there ever a time in your career where um, you really had to find a way to continue motivating yourself to keep acting? Hmm. It's a good question. Um, <laughs> the problem with doing what you love is doing it when you don't want to. Yeah. Uh, so it's um, the only time I have, it's, it's odd. The only time I have problem motivating myself to do it is when I'm very busy. When I'm very, 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 very busy, then suddenly it's like, uh, do I have time and energy to commit to, to, to this? Or how do I channel uh, my time and energy to, to, to do this, this, or this? But um, the one thing that I can't teach my students, and there's something I do bring up in class, is I can't teach you to want this. Yeah. That's something I can't teach you. If you don't have a passion for this, it's too hard of a lifestyle, right? If this is, if you can think of doing anything else, by all means, right? 
But uh, this is the only thing that I'm good at. It's the only thing that I have a passion for. So it's very easy for me to get motivated on a baseline to do it. It's what I live and breathe. But when I'm very busy, uh, it can be difficult uh, channeling the the resources. And and um, but I, but I'm, uh, I often reflect on uh, Mad TV's Tim Conlon. We worked together a long time ago on a Lifetime movie uh, called My Silent Partner. We were, we were uh, he's a teacher as well, and. Uh, we were taking a break and he said, you can, you can perfect to the moon and it still won't be perfect. So don't chase that. You can always do your best. And that's freed me up in terms of motivation. Cause I can say, given an hour, given, um, the time that I have to have to set up my studio and to call a reader and to get this going, I can do my best. It might be, uh, perfection is relative. Yeah, Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, uh, uh, to answer your question, no, uh, I think I'm always motivated to be an actor. <laughs> I mean, there's, there's, there's the dark times, there's the dark times of self doubt, you know, and, uh, your inner critic takes over. How do you, how do you get through those dark times of self doubt? Cause, cause for me, when I was acting like dark times of self doubt was like most of it. Yeah, it's a no. It's a lot of it. Um, um, a lo- the more compassion you have for other people, including your characters, but also people, uh, the the diversity of people that you see uh, on the street, the diversity of people you want to see in TV and film, the more compassion you can have for yourself and understand that you can be the first you, as The Rock says. Right? Don't worry about being the next me. Just worry about being the first you. And um, when I first started out, there was a lot of obstacle for me being the, the first me. Nobody wanted to see it, right? They're like, do you know the accent? Do you know Kung Fu? No, then why do I want to see you do anything, right? I had an, I had an agent early on uh, who I met with who said, um, I, ju- I just can't see you being any, anything. Uh, uh, I, I can't see you being the, the young cop. I can't see any of it. And it was really crippling for me. It was really difficult. Um, part of um, doing this is seeing the obstacles as they come and trying to wrap your head around how uh, how that isn't an obstacle. And as an artist, if your job is to reveal something that hasn't been seen before, right? Isn't that the, the artist's sort of mission? I want to show you something that hasn't been seen before. Then therein lies your mission statement. Maybe you are not seeing it. And that's fine too, because you haven't seen it yet. So that's the exciting part too. It can, it can, it can, it can motivate you. Uh, it can be tough though because you're the first you and you don't see it. Yeah, yeah. I'm really just it. it it's difficult, like for myself at least, like finding finding who I am and finding what I believe in. It like that 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 itself has been the process as well, and it's just a matter of like um, uh, finding yourself essentially. And it doesn't stop. And it doesn't stop. Acting is a journey of self-discovery and you discover different parts of yourself with the different roles you play and the different ages and how your body changes and how your status in life changes and you discover new things. So it's a, it's an exciting, exciting way to contribute your journey of self-awareness and put it into uh, behavior. Do you have a network of community outside of, uh, outside the film and outside of acting and, and like hobbies or anything like that? And how do you balance all of that? <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm really, really fortunate to be able to live in the world of my hobby, right. if you will, right? Like the thing that I love picking away at, the, the creative itch that I have, um, I get to um, live a lot of my daily life from doing it. So my hobbies are really mind numbing and 
like mindless, dumb stuff, right? I don't, I, I mean, oh, now I'm going to have to say what they are. But uh, <laughs> like, I, like I, I collect action figures, like I'm a real nerd for um, uh, action figures of people, right? So um, anything movie related. Uh, Do you have action figures of yourself? I, not yet. I mean, one, <laughs> I made one as a, as a, as a, uh, as an, uh, just as, just cause I wanted to make one. So I made yeah, one yeah. out of a, uh, a Randy Orton figure and I painted his hair black and I gave him a t-shirt, but, um, yeah, uh, action figures, wrestling. I love the theater of wrestling, live theater of wrestling because it's stories told with their bodies. And there's a, there's a, uh, I, th- I think wrestling was the most diverse show on television, Ob- like for for some nefarious reasons because all the bad guys had to be played by somebody <laughs> but in turn yeah. it accepted a lot of uh diverse talent and so i get i really enjoy watching a uh, wrestling to see the the diversity and the talent and yeah so that's th- those are those are sort of my hobbies and, and things that i enjoy i'm gonna finish it off with a few rapid fire questions we ask all of everyone uh what's the worst advice you were ever given um I don't want to like I, I I don't want though any one person to feel um attacked. <laughs> when when I say the worst advice I've ever been given, I don't want that person to feel bad. Right. They're not it's not one person. It wasn't just one person. Uh, but uh there was the the piece of advice to stay in the closet. Uh, early early on, on in my career there was an opportunity uh to uh do some press, but it wasn't just this one person who gave me this advice. Uh, it was, you know, there was, there was, there was a lot of people who were looking out for me saying that if you came out of the closet, it would close a lot of doors and it would hamper the, the types of roles you would go out for. So they meant it really well. I don't want to pick on them saying that was the worst advice because um, of intent. Their intent was, was gold, but um, that would have been, that's clearly the worst advice I, I would have gotten. It's only opened up relationships parts of myself like we said cl- reclaiming disowned parts it uh, it informs my characters gay straight bi or uh, or or whatever the spectrum is uh, my characters benefit from my understanding of uh, romance love and sexuality so yeah. yeah it was uh that was probably the worst piece of advice i ever got uh, and and to um if anyone else is struggling with that idea i early on i was like yes my i absolutely want to be an actor that's what I live and breathe for. However, I still have to live and breathe as a human being. And uh, so I realized I have to be a healthy human being first. And then I get to act. Same thing with having a day job or, uh, you know, the business of acting. I need to feed myself. I need to shelter myself. As an artist, I get to express myself. But as a human, I have to do these things. So it's just sort of knowing what you're, you know, what's important to you as an organism and then what you can do as an, an, an artist. What's, uh, uh, I guess that leads to what's the best advice you were ever given? I've been given a lot of advice. I have some wonderful, wonderful mentors. Uh, if you want, you can sign up to my classes to hear maybe 20% of what I've been blessed to, to be given from them. Uh, I, I, I've been so blessed. But uh, primarily, uh, the best piece of advice I ever was given was from Ron Oliver, who said, um, just don't quit. I know it sounds like a, a, a cheesy piece of advice. Don't quit. Don't give up. Never give up. There's there's T-shirts for that, which we will sell at the BIPOC uh, gift shop. <laughs> With your face on it. Yeah. Unless it's been trademarked. I don't know. Isn't that Nike? Somebody's got to have that. But 
what he what what he means is um in this industry the people who hang on we we start trusting you where's this person been for 20 years why do they keep coming up um why haven't they given up they must have something to say they must have something to say and if you if you last in this industry it also means that you fostered relationships you speak the same language with us um we recognize you from the the various battlefields we weathered the storm and so you become a resource of of someone that we trust someone that we understand uh can uh, survive this uh, this this strange business we call show. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> and uh, finally, uh, um, in your opinion, what does a more diverse film industry look like? And uh, um, do you think we're there yet? Looks like wrestling. That's no, kidding. Like wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, no, it doesn't. Not not necessarily. But rest, wrestling has it pretty darn good. Yeah. Um, that's a that's an interesting question. We're uh, I'm really excited that the audience and it is a genera- it is partially generational that this generation grew up with a more multicultural world. They're in love with their um, content creators on YouTube. The world's gotten smaller, so they want to see um, that reflected in in TV and film. So I'm very excited as to where we go. Um, where we're at right now is pretty sweet as well, and some of the things that um, I'd like to highlight in terms of how it's, it is um, getting there now is when we used to talk about diversity, uh, especially about the gay, um, uh, gay cinema and Asian American cinema. I remember we, uh, uh, we used to talk in terms of uh, producers saying, yeah, but gays don't buy gay content, right? They, they skew the same as heterosexuals. And the, with uh, the Asian films, it was like, well, the Asians don't buy Asian content, right? They skew the same as white people. And so that and that was the end of the conversation. It used to be like, oh, I guess the Asian audience didn't show up, or the gay audience didn't show up. I didn't realize that the white audience would show up for me in Hallmark, right? The 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 market of of Hallmarkies who uh, respond to me on in Twitter and who respond to the Kennyverse, my supporters aren't uh, um, uh, from a single base, or or they or they they move they move beyond uh, whatever they uh, their demographic is. To appreciate uh, me as an artist that um, that resonates with them, I one time saw Lee Daniels uh, introduce his show Precious at the Vancouver International Film Festival, and he said uh, he prefaced it by saying, "I want you, to, I want you to know, we had a lot of fun making this movie. Like in between takes, we were laughing because it is such a dramatic movie, right? Precious was a very and, dramatic movie, yes. Right, and we all sort of uh, tittered about that. Got into the movie, and as the lights rose, there wasn't a, a dry eye in sight, and everybody had felt like they had had that experience that um, uh, uh, Lee Daniels had portrayed for us. And it's that it's it's that connection that that uh, an audience can feel with whomever is in the lead cast. Whether whatever race, gender, shape, size, ability, intellect that um, you 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 start the story off with, the audience is ready to go along the journey with you. Uh, Ron Oliver would say, uh, oddly enough, the more specific you get in story, the more universal a story becomes. Whereas if you skew the other way, the more general a story is, the less we have to hold on to, the less we care. So to to answer your question, I would say. 
amazingly specific stories and an audience that just is 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 moved and touched by what appears on the screen. And there's a oneness that's achieved. It's not an otherness. It's not a this is here because it's an other. It's this is here because it's part of our human family. Right. That's a great perspective. Um, well, thanks a lot, Nelson. Thanks for everything. Uh, do you have any uh, uh, social media handles or anything that we can find you and anything that you're working on next? Well, um, you can find me on Nelson Wong Acts on Instagram, which is probably where I'm most, uh, uh, I have the most fun. I'm on Facebook as Nelson Wong Actor and Twitter as Nelson Wong Actor. Um, and if you're looking for some acting coaching, hit me up on uh, the social medias and uh, I'll try and get back to you. Uh, DM me on Instagram. Um, and I have my upcoming classes. So there's a, if you're if you are interested in doing online classes, you can go to the Haven Studios, benjaminratner.com slash acting classes to find out more about the online acting classes from whichever territory uh, you're in. Because um, we do we just do it in Pacific Standard Time, but we can broadcast to you from wherever. I definitely need some more training. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I like it when you're in class, Andy. Yeah, it is real fun. Yeah. I, I, I do very much enjoy the class. It's, <laughs> it's so much fun. Yeah, it's a good community. And we uh, it's, it it's where you get to prove your work to yourself. Um, I've got the Martha Vineyard. I'm so lucky to be part of the Martha's Vineyard Mysteries. So Detective Andy Lau will be repeating in, in that show uh, May 16th. It's coming out on the Hallmark Movies and Mysteries channel. And we'll have, just have to look for it in, where it lands in Canadian distribution. Um, and I have a, a movie coming out called Love is Trending, directed by one of my other uh, fabulous uh, collaborators, director Christy Wilwolf. So I'm really excited to, to get to work with her and uh, to have this um, have her be part of the, the family that I get to belong with when it comes to creative artists. Well, thanks a lot, Nelson. Um, we'll end it there and uh, uh, have a great weekend, I guess. Yeah, you too. <laughs> Thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode. This was kind of a special one for me because... Amidst the controversies that Hallmark was facing in the last few years, I kind of felt like I was stuck in between. Because on one hand, I actually got my start as an assistant director in Hallmark films. But on the other hand, I obviously recognized the problematic nature of their limited storytelling, their stereotypical characters, and their limited casting. However, actors like Nelson found a career in Hallmark movies for the last decade. And in addition, it's clear from Nelson's fan base that there is a appetite for more diverse stories in that audience. I think adding this side of the story to the conversation is important because it pushes the conversation past the negative of Hallmark is bad and instead opens up the possibility that these films could potentially open up opportunities for the BIPOC community. Especially now with Hallmark creating more films starring two black leads or two Asian leads or etc. I also want to emphasize the importance of being a part of a community at the beginning of our careers. What Nelson said about finding a community on the other side of our disowned parts really rings true. A, because a community allows us to feel like we're not alone in the things that we're working towards or even the things that we feel like we identify with. Especially as an actor, 
Pursuing a career in this industry can feel lonely sometimes. I know I definitely did when I was trying to make my own films and, and pursue acting. Um, so if you're one of the people who do feel this way and you're looking for a community to be a part of, other than this one of course, I'm very excited to announce that BIPOC Credits will be partnering up with culturebrew.art as community partners. Culturebrew.art aims to connect BIPOC creatives with BIPOC talent to create a more diverse community within the Canadian film scene. So if you're a BIPOC creative in Canada, you can use the code BCPODCAST. That's B-C-P-O-D-C-A-S-T. All in one word in the promo code, where you can get 12 months free to be a part of this community. Reach out to community at culturebrew.art for more information. And if you want to learn more about Nelson, uh, his uh, teaching, as well as tips on managing a career as an actor, please reach out to us on Instagram and Facebook, or sign up for our newsletter where Nelson has left us some resources we'd love to share with you. Thank you again for joining us today, and we'll see you on set. Thanks for listening to BIPOC Credits by Andy Wong. We hope you enjoyed our episode. This episode was produced by Nightingale. Our editor is Rihanna Toy. Graphics by Joshua Lamb. Theme music by Peter Robinson. Intro and outro voiceover by Mike Lee. Don't forget to like us on Facebook and Instagram at BIPOC Credits. If you're enjoying what we're doing here, consider supporting us on Patreon and subscribe to our newsletter to get all of the juicy information that we didn't quite get to on this podcast. Thank you once again for listening to BIPOC Credits. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on.